Hello and welcome to the AJ On The Line podcast. This is your Belgian Grand Prix 2021 review in which we will discuss one of the shortest yet longest races in history, a podium for George Russell and quite frankly one of the weirdest F1 weekends that I have ever seen and I'm sure I'm not the only one. My name is Adam Williams, I'm your host and I am joined by my good friend and an F1 expert, Joe Collins. How are you doing, Joe? Good, I mean, I think I picked quite a good race to not be able to watch, to be honest, (laughs) so, you know. That's it, because your plan was to watch the race in the pub and then go and watch Wolverhampton Wanderers lose by 1-0 to Manchester United, right? Well, that wasn't the plan. The plan was to watch Wolves win against Man United. But yeah, um, yeah. So initially, I had my plan ruined, but then it just didn't happen at all. So yeah, I, I can tell you, having sat around for four hours on Sunday afternoon, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't miss much. Uh, it was such a weird race, and we'll, we might as well explain what actually happened for those of you that didn't see what happened. It rained. That's what I was watching in Belgium. It it just rained. And it wasn't due to the fact that there was too much water on the track. It was a lack of visibility, which meant that the race couldn't get underway. Um, I think it's just something that that has come about as a result of the track being surrounded by forests. And given how dangerous it is, we've all seen that. In fact, as we record this, it's two years today that Antoine Hubert unfortunately died at the top of Eau Rouge um, yeah just a couple of years ago so and of course we saw Lando Norris had a similar incident uh, in qualifying and qualifying was as a result the well it was the moment of the weekend as we will get into Um, what are you going to rate this this race (laughs) Joe? (laughs) Um I, I mean, I don't even think it can qualify as a one, can it? I mean, watching cars do two separate laps behind the safety car. Um, maybe as an overall weekend, I'll give it sort of a two or three because qualifying actually was quite interesting. But the race itself can't score Sunday higher than Sunday really one. dragged it down then. I mean, I'd hate to see a race that was worse than that. <laughs> well, Sochi... you know i i don't usually do a rating i usually leave it to you and jimmy i I know that jimmy won't have thought much of it and he wouldn't have given it his usual 10 out of 10 performance no he'd he'd be we'd be down to at least a six if he was right in the race he has I, i i pushed jimmy for a line on this unfortunately he can't be here but he called it a farce rather than a race so you can only imagine it's it's below five. Um, yeah, I'd probably give the overall weekend a, a three and a half, a four maybe at a push because yeah. the qualifying on Saturday was so exciting and I actually got to watch it because mm-hmm. it was so delayed. Hopefully next weekend is a bit better because we waited around for four weeks for Formula One and didn't really get it. Anyway, we'll move into our awards. And I know that you messaged me earlier, Joe, saying, how are we going to talk about that race for as long as we usually do? Well, let's find out together and we'll find something. And there is something. Um, 
First of all, that being the biggest winner. My goodness, it's two weekends on the bounce for Williams being in the in the points, both drivers. They're the mm-hmm. only team that have both been in the points for both for the last Grand Prix. And it's I absolutely think that, unbelievable. That talks about, or that shows how crazy the last two races have been. So I'm giving Williams the biggest winner. I don't, I don't know about you, but George Russell, he came second in qualifying and he could have been on pole had Verstappen not stolen it at the last moment, but to beat two works, Mercedes and, well, the rest of the field in what Williams calculated as the 17th fastest car on uh, on that weekend in time is, is simply staggering. Have you got anything more to add or a different opinion, Joe? Well, it's unbelievable that they're the only team to score twice, like both cars in the points. You mean, how long, how many races did they wait? 70 odd, 80? to score a point and all of a sudden they're the only team that can't be stopped scoring a point um like busters, isn't it yeah um it reminds me of wolves we waited uh we, we waited 60 odd shots for a goal and then we scored two within two minutes unbelievable well there you are well george russell has some sort of affinity with wolves does he not i think his dad's a wolves fan but george russell's a man united fan i think Oh, okay. um, I have seen George Russell at Molyneux, so that was a strange one. Um, not sure what he was doing there, but there we go. Um, but yeah, undoubtedly this weekend's biggest winner. Um, Williams, yeah? Yeah, and you know, if we go more specifically George Russell, because to get that car into second place, I mean, I know he obviously wouldn't have done it in the dry, but... To get that car into second place under any circumstance is unbelievable. Do you think that he... Where do you reckon he would have finished in the race had it have have gone off? I reckon there'd have been points. I reckon, you know, 8th or ninth or 10th, probably. I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't get to see him, Verstappen and Hamilton going into the, the first few corners of Belgium. I, I mean, I was terrified for that, to be fair. But it would have been. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the the person that starts in second at Spa normally gets a fantastic run up the hill and exactly. is side by side. Can you imagine George Russell going but here into? Here comes George Russell. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that he, would have he been, wouldn't have had anything to lose compared to the other two. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen it. Um, but we we talk about him having nothing to lose, but Williams. They have gained everything, even though it was half points awarded to the drivers and teams this weekend. Surely now they've cemented eighth place in the championship, and Mm -hmm. that is huge financially for them. Alfa Romeo have three points, don't they, from the first half of the season? So to catch up to Williams, who must be about 20 now, 18, something like that, it's going to be a hell of a job for them. So unless you get some really freaky race, which, you know, we can't count out, then I think, yeah, Williams are looking pretty safe. Well, that's it. We've had Silverstone qualifying wasn't qualifying. In Hungary, we had a race start with one driver on the grid. (laughs) Yeah. Belgium, we had a, a race with two laps behind the safety car. What does this kind of sequence of event mean that Zandsport is going to... Zandvoort. Is it Zandvoort? Zandvoort. 
What mm. is this going to produce at the Dutch Grand Prix next weekend? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be mad. Uh, Kimi Räikkönen could win a Grand Prix and then at the next weekend, if you believe French sources, he's going to announce his retirement at the Italian Grand Prix. But we'll get into that in a minute, in a bit more detail. Because we're going to move on to the biggest loser. Joe, do you want to give me your biggest... Well, not just me. I know it feels intimate, just me and you talking, but (laughs) we're talking to the world right now. Um, Who is your biggest loser this weekend? I went for the steward slash FIA because... I think, like, as as Jimmy said, it was a bit of a farce. I think they made a bit of a fool of themselves, sort of not knowing their own rules, uh, not really knowing what to do. Because um, we have had similar situations before, of nothing quite like this, but they they should know what to do in the event of a of continuous rain and unsafe conditions. Yeah. To be fair to them, the the ideal situation would have been, well, let's just race on Monday. But because of the logistics of a Grand Prix taking place in seven days after, t- yeah, seven days time after that, it was never going to be likely because they got. But to- you can argue that that's their fault as well because they're trying to cram twenty three races in. Yep. You know, keep extending the calendar. So, I yeah. I agree, and. What really cemented that was when we were sitting about and the teams were asking uh, Michael Massey, who I, I did feel sorry for because it's not just him that, that has created this mm-hmm. situation, but he he was the one that had to bear the responsibility. He he was being asked, has the race actually started? And this yeah. this, this was an hour and a bit in. Mm-hmm. And, and then everyone started running around trying to work out whether the race had indeed started or not. Yeah. And that seems a bit silly for the pinnacle of motorsport. To not know whether your own race yeah. has started. And they, did, they didn't even know at the end whether they had done a race because there was some mix-up with the interpretation of the wording of the rule. Was it two laps, more than two laps? How many times does the leader have to cross the line? You know. And, and you do wonder, will someone like Alfa Romeo or anyone that loses the championship by half a point go yep. back to this and, and create a legal battle. I mean, look, you could be cynical and say, well, they completed the two laps so that it was a tick, ticked box and they didn't yeah. have to refund the fans, which does I think it's almost bad. certainly true that they completed those two. I mean, there was never, there was clearly never a, ever any change in situation between the first time they went out and the second time they went out. Well, from what I I hear, they it's just a happy coincidence <laughs> that, that they've gone home with all their money um, yeah. and the fans haven't. But I, I don't know. Is it is it one of those where, as a fan of Formula One, you know, especially going to Belgium with the weather being like it is, you could go and it could be rained mm-hmm. off yeah i I'm, i know it's not ideal but mm-hmm. you kind of got to expect that this will happen at some point not to the extremity that it did but still it's it's not a nice situation and that that kind of goes with my biggest losers the fans that went there there was yeah sat out in the rain probably quite a lot of alcohol 
<laughs> was consumed that day to keep them going, especially for the Dutch contingent. Although I, I sense that that will continue. Imagine <laughs> doing that double header. I'm sure a lot of fans are going yeah. to Belgium and then going to the Dutch Grand Prix because, ironically enough, I think it's the same distance between Spa and Zandvoort uh, as the distance of a full Grand Prix. So there were some suggestions <laughs> online that the Grand Prix takes place between the two circuits on the road. <laughs> now, I don't know how easy it is just to shut off the Belgian and Dutch road system for a quick Grand Prix, but I'd, I'd have watched that. <laughs> it's like that Top Gear race where they had the race to the start line. I think one of them had to build a car and one of them had to uh, yes. get a car from the factory. <laughs> yeah, they had a race to the start. And the stick gets stopped by the Scottish police in the last <laughs> few laps. Yeah. <laughs> oh, classic old Top Gear. With your favourite man in the world. And anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on because we've already touched upon it, but I think we're already agreed. Moment that a Moment of the weekend was qualifying it was george russell with that supreme lap in the wet mm -hmm. changeable conditions around one of the toughest tracks that anyone's ever raced around and as i said in well probably a bus of a car yeah. <laughs> it's not the quickest but here's the question joe would you where would you rank that about the best qualifying laps ever it's got to be up there. I mean, I don't remember a time anyone's got a car that slow, that high up the grid. I mean, uh, I mean, the Force India that did it in Spa in 2009. Fisher Keller, yeah. Fisher Keller, yeah. But that wasn't as slow. That was pretty much a midfield car by that point in the season. So, yeah, I, I cannot remember. Maybe Maldonado also in a Williams. In Spain, yeah. although once again that was more midfield than anything, and it had Toto Wolff at the helm, mm -hmm. so you know. Yeah. So when I when I think of those top laps, I, I probably think of Michael Schumacher jumping into that Jordan. What twenty years ago, or is it thirty mm -hmm. years ago now? Twenty five. Twenty five years ago, mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle of where I guessed. Wait, no, I, no, it has yeah. to be thirty. It's thirty, isn't it? Because it was ninety one. It was, so 30 years ago, yeah. Michael Schumacher, Senna's lap around Monaco, Hamilton's lap around Singapore. You could say Hamilton and Verstappen's lap around Singapore um, mm -hmm. in, in that same year. It's just Lewis's was better. And then the Austrian or Styrian Grand Prix qualifying in the wet last year when Lewis outdid Verstappen by 1.2 seconds. I know he was in the fastest car, but... That's still 1. a margin. 1.2 seconds is unbelievable. And it was, it was 1.4 to Bottas, so I mean... But I still, I still think Russell could be at the top. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. And if he hasn't already, which I suspect he has, surely that solidifies him going to Mercedes next year. Yeah, you, you can't ignore something like that. I mean, I think it was already a done deal. Total Wolf says that the decision has been made. Yeah, well, let's hope for George's sake, because he doesn't deserve to be in a car that slow any longer. Um, not not to discredit the work that they're doing. They've clearly worked so hard to get that car to be back in tent in contention for moments like that. You know, it certainly wouldn't have been possible last year or the year before. 
where it was sort of where Haas are now. But, I mean, yeah, he needs to be in a faster car. So we think that Russell is in a Mercedes next year. What of the remaining seats, what what do you reckon? Let's Ooh. start with uh, where does Bottas go? Well, there was talks about um, Alfa Romeo wasn't there with Kimi retiring. Um, whether whether that will go to him or a Ferrari reserve driver, I don't know. Um, so Maybe which, Callum Eilat or something like yeah, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not certain that Giovinazzi will stay in the seat either. So, this is true. So it could be Bottas and, and Eilat. Um, and then uh, Williams, you've got to think that Latifi will stay. He, he provides good backing and he's not done anything particularly wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he scored points here. Mm-hmm. Two or three times now. Three times. I thought it was two. You're right, you're right. Two times. You reckon that he'll stay, yeah? I think so because... He's not been bad enough to justify dropping him for the cash that he brings. And who's he going to be partnered by? Dunno, it's interesting. You could get you could see someone like Nick DeVries or someone coming in, possibly. Um Tell you who I heard today. Go on. Might be in the running. Alex Albon. Oh yeah. Um yeah, I think that's a possibility because I don't I don't really see either of any of the four Red Bull seats being open. Yeah, and then the the other unannounced seat, which will be keeping us awake at night, is who's going to partner Sebastian Vettel at Aston Martin. I mean, will Lance Stroll stay at his dad's team? It's hard to see him leaving, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) it's a hard thing to do, but maybe if they want to become a serious team, not that Lance is a bad driver, but if they want to take that next step up, perhaps they need to get themselves another top-class driver. A Valtteri Bottas? Perhaps. Or, if Mercedes don't take George Russell, let's let's think about that version of events. Where, where would you go if you were George Russell? Because surely yeah. another big team is going to want to snap him up. Yeah, but I just... I, I cannot say... The only other really big team is Red Bull, assuming Ferrari aren't and McLaren aren't, haven't got any seats. So, but I don't see them wanting to have Russell and Verstappen. Do you see an Alpine? Mm, no, no, because Ocon and Fernando have just signed big deals, haven't they? Yeah, well, Fernando for next year has been confirmed, but is he going to stay much longer? I don't know. He's tough, yeah. and it all depends on how Williams are looking up after the rule changes, because if George knows, stays on another year, <laughs> and... They're looking competitive. Then maybe he wants to stay and and build the team around him. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, but I think we're pretty sure that George Russell is going to be partnering Lewis Hamilton next year. Don't quote us on this unless you <laughs> really want to. Um, it's not official news, but we're pretty sure. And we're pretty confident. But he deserves it, doesn't he? Oh, definitely. I mean, we we were saying that that he's getting moment of the week because there's not very many options, but this would be moment of the week in any weekend, really. I mean... Yeah, whatever would have happened in the race... Exactly, yeah. ...couldn't I mean, have topped that. Even if yeah. Hamilton and Verstappen had come together, we'd be like, oh, well, that's going to happen again. It's happened before. But Russell... Qualifying P2 in a Williams is not going to happen again. And as a result, he got a podium. Who saw that in the prediction? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that one of me, you and Jimmy probably predicted that 
George Russell would score points in Belgium. I'm not sure we were thinking P2 on the podium. No. I'd say overall I'm probably slightly against awarding points out, but if ever there was a qualifying performance worth nine points, this is that one. That's it, because we always say that points are never handed out on a Sunday and it doesn't really pay to be Mr Saturday. Well, this time it did. Exactly, yeah. Talking of Saturday, my honourable mention comes as a result of what happened on Saturday. Lando Norris had a huge accident going up Eau Rouge where they've had to redo some of the tarmac after some of the flooding that happened a month or so ago. Um, It was pretty dire conditions anyway. A few drivers were already calling for red flags um, and Norris unfortunately crashed. He went to the medical centre, was okay. Um, Verstappen still celebrated his pole position, but let's not talk too much about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, Despite another driver being in hospital. Anyway, Lando Norris was fine, but who was the next driver onto the scene? It was Sebastian Vettel, who actually stopped on the track to check that he was okay at the top of the hill on a blind crest. That's risking his own life. That was Senna-esque. You know when Senna stopped yeah, to yeah. get out of the car and save another driver's life. Sebastian Vettel, we, we say it every week, but we don't deserve him, do we? No, it was a, it was a lovely moment. Um, it's good that it was immediately obvious Norris was okay. Didn't have to get out of the car or anything. Um, it was just a quick thumbs up. Yeah. But still... Oh, what what a guy. Although, I've heard some people saying that Sebastian Vettel shouldn't have been swearing at, at the Stuarts like he did because he, he was saying on the radio, I effing told you, I effing told you, this was inevitable. Um, mm-hmm. And getting really irate. But where do you sit on this, Joe? Well, he Does did he... tell him. <laughs> <laughs> He's not lying. Yeah, you're right, but... Does does Sebastian Vettel and maybe someone else like Hamilton or Alonso, they get a bit more of a pass on being outspoken just because they are at legend status in the sport? Or do you think that it's a bit like swearing at the referee? It's a bit uncalled for and, and not the right thing to do. Well, I think you have to take those drivers' opinions into account more because They've seen it all, really. They've raced in every condition. They've, you know, had everything thrown at them. So maybe if you've got Seb, Lewis or Alonso telling you this is a bit dodgy, it's worth a bit more than a rookie telling you it's a bit dodgy. So I think, you know, maybe you shouldn't swear at them. But, like, I sort of feel like using the referee analogy, it's like the captain coming over and talking to the referee as opposed to you know, a, a 23-year-old youngster, you know? It's a good point, that. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like that analogy, Joe. Keep them coming. <laughs> so, so who's getting your honourable mention? Um, I decided to go for a more on-track-focused one because, you know, we've had a lot of off-track antics. So, well, yours was on-track, but still, you know what I mean. So... I went for on on track performance on track performance. And I, I just went for Daniel Ricciardo because for P four, um, I just think it deserves mentioning. You know, um, 
he's had a tough time of it and to put it in P4 in really tricky conditions in a car that he's clearly struggling with is uh it's got to be good for him. I mean, I know, I know Lando probably would have out-qualified him if he'd kept it on track. He was looking really good for those first two sessions. But, yeah. And it was his 200th race. Yeah, exactly. And did you know, okay, this is something I only found out today, that only 20 drivers have done 200 races in Formula 1. Yeah, it's... Uh... Obviously, it's a bit of a modern phenomenon. Do you reckon you could name them all? Oh, yeah. Go on. We've come to a new segment <laughs> called Quiz Joe on his F1 knowledge. Okay, I'll, I'll help you out. We've got Daniel Ricciardo. There's one. Okay, so Lewis, Seb, Fernando, Kimi, Rubens Barrichello, Michael Schumacher, um, Mark Webber? Coulthard? I'm going, I'm going Weber and Coulthard for now. Surely Rosberg, Button. Right, yeah, Rosberg and Button. I'm, wait, I'm waiting on the Weber-Coulthard results here. Should have been more prepared with this. Yeah, 217 races for Weber. Yes. Surely Coulthard's up there. Coulthard 247, so yes. Prost? Yep, 202 for Prost, which is more impressive given how few races there were. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's, he's the oldest... Sort of one that I was going to go for. Ah, who else? Sergio Perez. Has Sergio Perez got? Oh, he's got to have one. Because I'm sure he won it at like the 199th time, didn't he? Or 190th or something like that. No. So... 188, it says. But I thought he started at a similar time to Ricardo. Yeah. What about Grosjean? 181. <laughs> so not, not Grosjean. What God, are we on? How many... How many have you counted? Ten, I think. Ah, oh, well, I've got the top ten. Go on, then. Uh, we missed out three from the top ten, actually. Um, number you can seven... play along at home. <laughs> <laughs> number seven is Felipe Massa. Of course. Number nine is Ricardo Patrese. Yep, and Truly. Yep, number ten is Diano Truly. If you can get in contact in the comments below and tell us who we've missed then I'd be impressed. So, yeah, if you're listening along and you're thinking, ah, Adam and Joe are just rookies of the sport, they don't know what they're talking about, well, that's fine. We're all still learning. Please do let us know who we're missing because we'd be interested <laughs> to hear. We're admitting that we don't know it. On the other hand, I could have done what uh, Vettel did that everyone got so impressed by. Maybe oh, not yes. in order, actually. I might not have been able to do the order of the 60s and 50s, but I could have named all of them. That was impressive from Seth yeah. Russell. Oh, Listing oh, oh. every single F1 champion in order, going backwards. But yeah. I, when I think one of the first days of meeting you, you listed them to me. <laughs> 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 which, which might talk <laughs> quite a lot about <laughs> how yeah. we were struggling for things to talk about but but yeah let's move on because there had to be some good lines this weekend so we'll talk about the aj on the line line of the week joe i'll let you go first because i think i might know what it is <laughs> well i sent you a tweet i sent you the tweet in the middle of the race with it um it's lewis hamilton um oh you know Going to the toilet because he's had a long, long wait. 
uh, in the rain, you know, needs to relieve himself. Um, and to his horror, had found that someone dropped a massive bomb in there that will haunt him for the rest of his days. So if he loses the championship this year, we know what's on his mind if he makes any mistakes. Um, well, it was, it was a really odd one, though, because they they red flagged the race almost immediately, and within minutes, Lewis was getting out of the car and everyone else was still sat in their, their car and <laughs> you wondered why. And then it emerged that a French photographer had been asked to... Or, or they were worried that a French photographer was in the toilet and Lewis was waiting outside. But the French photographer left and then Lewis made that comment on the radio. I'm not blaming it on this guy, but... Well, I was going to say it's an interesting discussion about who, who we think did it. I mean, I am personally of the opinion that uh, Marco and Horner have, uh, have uh, sent Alex Albon into the toilet and said... To recreate. To, <laughs> yeah, they've sent Alex Albon into the toilet to... Uh, to really put Lewis off. So, yeah. <laughs> that is a great shout. Well, my my line was a, a bit more serious uh, because it kind of summed up the race. It was by Stuart Codling, who I like. He's, he's a good, well-respected journalist. And he said, The number of times that I have heard the word unprecedented is, well, unprecedented. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah. There's not really much more to say other than that on that race because it was just four hours of watching rain. I tell you what, I'm glad that I, I didn't invite anyone over to watch that race. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a disappointment. But either way, it still adds to that championship. Max has caught Lewis by a further five points, meaning they're separated by three now at the front. Uh, George has got even more points on the board, so we love to see that. But... There's a race in the Netherlands in just a few days' time. So, let's do a, a couple of predictions, if that's all right with you, Joe. Yep. So, what is your sensible prediction? Let's go for that first. I'm going to say that they're going to complete more than two laps. <laughs> is, is my sensible prediction. I think we're going to get... Although, it's uh, although rain, rain is yeah. forecast, um, yeah, so... But I still reckon I, I reckon we'll get at least three in before we have to call it quits. It's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because as F one fans, we usually think, "Oh, I I quite fancy a, a spot of rain today," but now it's the last thing that anyone wants. We want just a nice, clean, dry race. Yeah. Um, well, I I predicted that Lewis Hamilton is going to be booed to victory. Oh, uh, that that's my sensible prediction. I know the first part's going to be true. Um. And the second part, well, I don't know too much about the track, but I think it kind of... It's not meant similar. to be amazing for overtaking. It's um, looking quite similar to Hungary, I thought, particularly the last sector in terms of flowing nature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also meant to be quite narrow, so... Yep. Yeah. Who knows, Ferrari might, might do well. Yeah, that could be a shout. Yeah, it's a shame it wasn't in my predictions, isn't it? <laughs> that, that might have been a good one. Uh, but we'll go with your bonkers prediction. <laughs> I've gone for a different word. <laughs> well, it's made, it made me feel like I've got to make it even more crazy if it's bonkers. Yeah, um, it's not just Banzai, it's bonkers. 
I'm going to say we're going to get the fight back of Haas and Alfa Romeo. They've seen Williams, um, you know, they've made major steps. So Haas and Alfa Romeo are both going to get a car in the points. See, it's interesting. I've, I've had a thought about a similar area of the field and I've I've gone for Williams doing a third double points finish in the row. Oh. Just because they're on a run, why not? Yeah, well, if they can get it high up the grid, as we just said, the track's not the best for overtaking. So if they get it high up the grid, they've got every chance. And with Mr. Saturday. This is true. Well, Imola's quite narrow and twisty and hard to overtake, isn't it? And yeah. Williams weren't doing too badly there. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's that sort of time. It's George Russell's first win. <laughs> That's that can only be the next thing that happens. Um, in a, in a serious note, what what do you reckon is going to happen with the championship? Do you see Verstappen using the home advantage to take victory? I mean, it can. It's still at the stage where it can go either way. I'm slightly disappointed that Lewis didn't finish. Uh, in a position that would give him a whole number of points, so um, that we could see, uh, so that we, so that we could see the possibility of a, a half point victory in the championship. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, and it's interesting that because it was half points, he actually lost less than he would have done if he'd finished second in normal circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be dissatisfied with the points. Uh, being handed out, although I but I do no, reckon he could no have points. won. So I mean, if if it if it had been a dry race, especially, it seemed like there was there was a chance, but we'll see. I guess we'll never know. Yeah. But what we will find out, hopefully, is who's going to win the Dutch Grand Prix, and it's only in a few days' time. Well, that's it then. We have managed to talk about some stuff, despite the lack of race, if you can call it that. But. I want to thank you very much for listening. I want to thank Joe. Yes, Joe, for your insight. And Jimmy for your one-word review of a fast. And for more content, please head over to ajontheline.com. And whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, newly added, and or anywhere else, please do give us a rating and a comment. And tell us whether you think that George Russell has already signed for Mercedes or not but also whether you can name any of those other drivers that Joe and I weren't able to of the 20 drivers that have finished 200 Grand Prix. The next race is in the Netherlands in just a few days' time, as we've said. It could be tasty, and we'll speak to you then.